Um, so today is a very special episode because it's a very special guest. He's a good friend of mine. And today I'm going to let him introduce himself to the podcast. What is going on, guys? My name is Nick Bear, founder and CEO of Bear Performance Nutrition and Christian's best friend. That is the truth. That's not how we, th- we, we thought he was going to do a high-pitched voice, but he is too masculine for that. Um, if you don't know who Nick is, Nick is a husband, a soon-to-be father, a hybrid athlete. Um, he has done ultra marathons, marathons, Ironmans, 700-pound deadlifts, and really just anything in between. So with that, Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I was waiting for my invite. I didn't know if I was ever going to get one, and I was really hoping to come on this show, and I'm glad that I'm, I finally have the opportunity to. So thank you. Well, here's the thing. I had to wait for the perfect opportunity. You just finished your, your second marathon, sub-three-hour in Buffalo, and um, yeah, I wanted to grow the channel a little bit just before you know I had you on, and I'm sure you'll make more appearances in the future if we keep doing this, which I hope we do. So I'm uh, thrilled to have you on today. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. I've told you a million times before. Um, you know, when you and Sadie came down a few months ago to BPN and came on our podcast, and we had the opportunity to explore Austin with you guys and go for dinner. Um, you and Sadie left that weekend and left a, a massive impact and impression on Steph and I, and uh, it was amazing. So we, me and Steph both, we, we are really appreciative of, of both you and Sadie and that weekend you guys spent here in Austin. Well, thank you, man. That means a lot. That really was one of my favorite trips we've been on. We've been on a lot of trips, and for some reason, man, that, that trip was just so special, getting to hang out with you and Adam and, uh, yeah, get to tour around Austin, drink watermelon, uh, watermelon drinks downtown, and... Um, eat some awesome food and just, yeah, have, have great conversations, whether it's centered on faith or just, you know, working out and getting to work out with you is pretty special. So, uh, same to y'all and y'all are, uh, one month away from expecting your baby girl, which is super exciting. And even just getting to be, you know, in the process of before y'all found out you were pregnant and just praying for that. And it's been, it's been a, uh, it's been super unique friendship that we've gotten to have. Well, like, like, uh, Steph and I were telling you guys when you were down here, um, we were, you know, we were really excited to have a baby and we didn't realize how long it was going to take. And we were trying for a year and we were both, you know, Steph and I were both getting very frustrated with the process, but Steph was getting very frustrated. It was really hard on Steph. And when you guys came down, uh, we explained that, that frustration and, and process with you guys. And, it was shortly after you guys left that we ended up getting pregnant, but it took about a year and that was really, really hard on, on us. And, um, I remember, you know, we went to dinner, we went to Lonesome Dove, had some amazing food. And you know, I remember that conversation because typically when you go to dinner with people that you just met for the first time in person, right? Yeah. Um, conversation is normally pretty shallow. Yeah. And it's all surface level. Yeah. And I remember that dinner and that conversation because like, we went deeper in that. There was some meaning. There was some depth behind that conversation. And it was very refreshing. Yeah. I mean, it was super refreshing. And then we came back from that dinner. And we were sitting in the parking lot of BPN while we were eating our, our ice cream from Amy's ice cream. Yeah. And you, you and Sadie uh, prayed with me and Steph. And... Uh, I remember that, man, and, and we appreciate you guys so much. Well, it, it, well, thank you so much for saying that, man. It was really cool because that was beginning of October, and you all had told us when we were there. I think back in September, 
Steph heard her, felt like she heard a whisper saying October. And then I remember you texted me like the very end of October that y'all were pregnant. And it was just such a cool, I mean, it was just a cool, powerful thing. Because I remember when, when, we, uh, when, I, when you texted me that we were driving and we were just freaking out in the car together. It was a, it was a really cool moment. Yeah, it was actually like, uh, I think it was May, May or June time frame. And I believe Steph was doing laundry. And at that point, we were, what, maybe six months in of, of trying. Yeah. And she heard this whisper in her ear that said October. And she was like, there's no way it's October. That's still months away. And every month came by, not getting pregnant, not getting pregnant. And then October finally hit. And October was a month. And she was saying it the entire time. She was saying, I heard that whisper in my ear. Like, that was the sign that it was going to be this month. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, lighter, lighter question. Have you had Amy's, have you had ice cream since, since we were there? No, I Back haven't because I've, I've you, this past year You haven't year had me, ice cream since then? I mean, I've had ice cream, but I haven't had Amy's. So oh, okay, okay, okay. This past year, I've been in, in four, pretty much four um, preps for, for training. I went through a you know triathlon prep last May. We did Challenge, um, Challenge Cancun, yeah. which was a 70.3 in Mexico. Then I went directly into Leadville 100 prep. And then right from that into Rocky Raccoon 100-mile prep. And then from that right into uh, the Buffalo New York Marathon prep, which we just wrapped up this past weekend. So it's been, you know, a year full of prepping for events. And I had to get my weight. I wanted to get my weight down to a certain point to to compete at a certain level. But now it's Balkan season. There you go. It's Balkan season. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Because even when we were there, we ate Lonesome Dove that night. Then we went and had ice cream, which we probably pounded. I don't know how many calories. There's a lot of calories. And it was, it was pretty late. And then I remember getting up that morning and we were going to do a workout. And then by the time I got up, you'd already finished like 10 miles. And I was like, we just did squats yesterday and just ate ice cream and lonesome dove. And somehow Nick managed to run 10 miles this morning, which is just crazy. So, you know, that's my first question is like, you've, like you said, you have um, four big things that you've competed in this year that you've, that, that you've worked to train for. Where does that motivation come from? And how do you continually stay so disciplined it's it's one of those things that it wasn't always like that and I like to reference um Tim Grover's book called winning when I when I explain this and he explains it you know Tim Grover was the coach for like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and he explains that you know sometimes you just have to get that first win that first win might be you know, something you did that benefited your, your child, or maybe you got your first job or you got your first promotion, you built your first business, you completed a 5k race. And with that first win builds this newfound level of confidence. And after that, you want to find out where your full potential is. So you, you go after that next win and in order to achieve that next win, it requires more sacrifice. Mm-hmm time, money, energy, resources, but with that sacrifice builds this newfound level of confidence. And it's, it's kind of like that in my life over the last 10 plus years is it's been one thing after the next. And I find that when I chase a new objective or new goal, I have to sacrifice more to get there. However, it brings more confidence along with it. And I've realized and learned over time that if there's something I want to do or accomplish, 
I am the one that's responsible for whether I, I win or lose or succeed and fail. And I can't point the finger at anyone else. Yeah. And when you take that responsibility and you put it on yourself, you're going to find out and figure out a way to make it happen. And I wake up every morning realizing that if there's something I want to accomplish or something I want to do, it all comes down to me making the right choices and not leaning on other people around me that might not be as fully invested as I am in that process and in that journey. Yeah. Do you think that's like an, an innate trait of yours because you also served in the army. So do you feel like some of those, you know, some of the disciplines that you have now are just, you know, a carryover from, from your time where you served then, or did you grow up super disciplined and you always kind of knew what you wanted to do? Or was there circumstances that have happened in your life that have really made you to be so motivational with, with your style of training and, and so disciplined with the way that you do life? I think the military definitely had a massive impact on my life. Uh, it was yeah. it was a pivotal point in my life. You know, I served four years active duty infantry, and uh, I learned a lot through that process. However, you know, growing up, I learned a lot from both sides of my family. So my dad's side of the family, they were dairy farmers in central Pennsylvania, super hardworking people. You know, they were waking up at 4 a.m. to milk the cows, and then at night before they went to bed, they were milking the cows again. And they were, you know, working the fields and Everything they did relied on the weather. So the bear side of the family, hardworking dairy farmers in Pennsylvania. My mom's side of the family, a lot of them were military. So my cousin, my uncle, my grandfather, they were military. So I had like this interesting dynamic growing up of learning two different styles of what hard work and discipline was from the farming community and then the military community. And I also learned a lot from my mom uh, growing up as well. So I think... Growing up and experiencing that and seeing it, like they never told me this is how you have to live, this is what you need to do. I just learned through observation. And then when I joined the military, that was a, a an eye opener of realizing what you could actually do, like what you could accomplish, not just by yourself, but with a group of people. Yeah. And you know, I love the quote that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. And then just applying those you know, those things together. And then at the same time, learning how to build a business, um, you kind of just, there's no other option other than discipline and hard work. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, for you, you know, if you, if you were to go to just your social media, you see, you know, all kind of different inspirations, you know, whether it's through BPN or just through your training stuff that you do, you said you've trained for, you know, an ultra marathon, a marathon, Ironman, strength training, all these different things. So from somebody on the outside looking in, what is, out of all those different things, what are, what are the ones that you enjoy the most doing? Because I'm sure some of them get tedious and kind of monotonous, but if you were just to have one thing, you know, what is your favorite style of training to really dive into? It's hard to say like one style. So like the way my, tra my training is transitioning now, I think is going to be my ideal style of training. And... So like what I'm doing moving forward, because I'm not training for any races now, and I've been training for races the last three years, is my training moving forward is going to be about 40% strength training, 20% hypertrophy or, or bodybuilding style training, 20% endurance, 10% sprinting, and then 10% like circuit training. And I don't think I would have been able to find this new like approach and structure without fully exploring 
all these styles of training over the last you know, 10 years. So I've gone really heavy into strength training where I've eliminated yeah. all cardio. I just wanted to get as strong as possible. I have went really hard into like bodybuilding where I just wanted to get as big as possible. And then I went really hard into endurance training and I went really hard into all of these different foundations of training because I wanted to learn as much as possible about them. Like That's these cool. last three years of endurance training, I learned so much about endurance where, you know, before I would have said running's running, cycling, cycling. It, it is what it is. You just, what is running? Yeah. Just move your feet. Just go move your feet. Yeah. But there's so much that I learned ab about endurance training over the last three years that I'm now applying to what I'm going to do. All that being said, strength training is probably still like my favorite. Nothing beats going to the gym, throwing weight around and getting a pump. Nothing yeah. will ever beat that. Oh, for sure. Because didn't you say didn't you say cycling was your least favorite one? Just sit just on the I'd, bike. I'd say swimming is my least favorite. Swimming. Uh, yeah. Then cycling. I do love running. Like nothing. This past you know weekend, I will say like nothing beats when you're in really good running shape, and you can hit six, ten, six, fifteen miles, and just keep clipping those for like twenty miles. That just yeah. feels good. When you when you go to most of these races, do people recognize you or because I would imagine if I was running a marathon and I saw you standing there looking like chiseled out of a piece of granite, I would be like, There's no way this dude's about to run a marathon. Like do people recognize you? Do people look at you and they're like, How are you about to do this? Because, you know, physically I mean, what's the word? Like just looking at you and just you would not expect you to run a sub three marathon because you're just you're huge. Well, a lot of people have been following the journey that we've been, yeah. you know, documenting online. So a lot of people do follow like they recognize the BPN brand more there. Cause when we go to these races, we go yeah. deep. We had like fifteen people there, yeah. you know, and we don't show up shy. We have like ten cameras with us too. Yeah. Um but I do get the like the comments on the course. I was telling the BPN team this a few days ago. Where like I'll be running by and they're like, Good job, muscles, good job, biceps. Oh, that's and I'm funny. like You know what? I'm more than a pair of biceps. All right. <laughs> like my name's Nick. <laughs> Please just cheer me on like the other runners. I have a soul. <laughs> yes. Like don't degrade me. Well that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if I was just walking in Buffalo and I look over my left and I see you running at a six minute mile pace, running this marathon, I would just be dumbfounded. You know what? Surprisingly, there were some big dudes running sub three marathons in Buffalo. Really? Yeah, there were some some bigger dudes running sub threes. And uh, if you train right for it, right? Like I think traditionally the the quote unquote runner is yeah. like this skinny, lankier guy or yeah. girl. And uh, I think if you if no matter what size you are, to a certain point, if you apply the right principles to training, you can get faster. You can build endurance. Yeah. Um, because endurance sometimes is invisible. That is the truth. Yeah. Out of, out of those four things you did, those four events last year, which ones do you feel like you feel the most accomplished of doing? Oh, man, it's a, it's a close tie between Leadville 100 and this marathon this past, this past weekend because I'm really proud of the marathon time. It was two hours, 48 minutes, 11 seconds, and I had to work really, really hard to get there. But yeah. Leadville 100 was the most beautiful thing that I've ever experienced in my life. It was 100 miles to the Rocky Mountains of Leadville, Colorado. 
It starts at 10,000 feet of elevation. It gets to about 13,000 feet of elevation. I had the whole BPN team there. It was like a whole team experience. They were like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Yeah. And that was an experience that I will remember for the rest of my life. Just breathtaking. And yeah. uh, so like they were both special in two different ways. But I left Leadville saying like that was incredible. It, it deserves all the respect it gets. Yeah, for sure. Well, because your first, the first sub three hour marathon you did, the conditions on that were were, were terrible. I remember, you, I remember watching that video. It was like super. The wind was always in your face. Um, it was freezing, you know. So I, me- I remember that one just being like that was just an unfortunate day to have to do that particular race and to still do it in sub three. I remember you being just super proud of that. I'm the type of person too, like. A lot of people will try to, like, they'll show up race day and they'll psych themselves out through the conditions. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. too hot, it's too cold, it's too windy. And for me, I can't control the weather. It's like, I'm only going to control what I can control. I can control my mindset and the way I approach it. So, like, it it doesn't matter if I wake up on a race day and it's 50 mile per hour winds or 100 degrees. It's just like, hey, it is what it is. Like, we've, we've put in the training. Let's control what we can. But we're not going to live on the things that we can't control. Let's just yeah. approach it like we, we would any other day. Do you think you'll ever train for another triathlon? Maybe if you give me some time, man. Never say never. Never say never, but I never want to swim again. Yeah. <laughs> only, in a, only, only in a pool with your uh, – only in the new pool that you've been building for – Two, two years. Two years. Yeah. So the thing with swimming for me, I must be breathing wrong when I do it, but I think I swallow a lot of air when I'm swimming and uh-huh. I would finish every swim and my stomach would hurt so bad, like so bad. And I trained for that last triathlon for about seven months. And for seven months after every swim, my stomach was wrecked. Yeah. But swimming open water is like, it's an awesome experience. Yeah. See, yeah, that's, that's what I've heard. I've heard swimming like, in a place where, you know, I mean, I've been to places where you can see coral reefs, but never like diligently to try to like swim through it. You know, I've heard that swimming through that's a lot different than just being in a pool and just looking at the same the same thing over and over. Well, my my first uh, Ironman was Ironman Florida, uh-huh. and it was like a like a half mile swim out and then back. You did that twice. It was a little over half a mile. But we went like, over a half mile out into the ocean. So I remember thinking the entire time, like, there's sharks out here. Like, there's animals out here that can eat me. So every time I put my head down in the water to, uh, to blow, you know, breathe out, uh-huh. I would close my eyes because I didn't want to yeah. see what was under me. Oh, we, yeah, we, we saw a hammerhead in Seaside uh, two weeks ago, just, just on the beach. I'm just not about sharks, man. Just like, sharks, on the beach. sharks or stingrays, anything in the ocean. Yeah. Like you are in their territory now, for sure. Like I'm not. I'm not running away from a shark. Like that shark, if it sees me, I'm dead. Hey, that that shark might not attack you though, because they see they see how big you are. I would always go. I would go through the. I think about it though. Like if a, if a shark came at me, I'm gonna try to punch it on its nose. But uh-huh. at the same time, imagine how slow your punch is in water. Like there's so much resistance. It's oh, like yeah. the weakest. Did you ever like? Did you ever have a dream where you have to punch something? And it's like this soft punch. I think I actually had a dream about that last night, weirdly. 
Like, Were you punching me? Weirdly. No, I was not punching you. <laughs> I was punching something. I don't remember what it was. But or, or or you have the fear you're gonna punch it in the nose and the resistance is so slow then it just cl- then you hit, then you punch it in the mouth and then and then your whole your whole arm is gone. There's no win there. None. There's, just no, there's really no win there. Um, well, back to training. Um, you know, you just talked about you're about to uh, switch it up a little bit. Um, but for those of, for for those people who you know have been watching your journey, have been have been um, you know following along all the things that you're doing that are maybe in a similar season, but also in a different season of, you know, somebody who's, who's in fatherhood right now, kind of, kind of like where I'm at, um, you know, how are you going to change up some of your regimens, you know, when you become a dad? Because, you know, like I said, sometimes running super early in the mornings is different going off of two hours of sleep when you've been up all night, you know, wondering why your child is screaming, crying for no reason. They're, they're, they're fed, they're, you know, they're coddled, they're cuddled or whatever. They're all the things, but yet, you know, it's still um, just not doing it for them. So how how are th- training things regimenly going to maybe shift for you in the next month after you and Steph have, have your daughter? Yeah, I mean, we're like five, five, six weeks out from our baby girl being born. And I'm not necessarily going into it with a training plan. I'm going to yeah. try to figure it out when it happens because... You know, obviously my my priorities in life are shifting. And yeah. this baby girl and Steph obviously will be, will be priority. And they yeah. will come first. And it's going to be, where, where can I fit in an hour of training here and there? Obviously, I'm not going to be doing like double training days again. I won't be running at 5 a.m. and then strength training in the evening. Yeah. I'll be choosing one or the other. Yeah. Um, but right now, the plan and approach is once the baby's here, try to figure out a schedule with Steph. Like maybe I'm watching the baby in the morning, she's working out. And in the evening, she's watching the baby, I'm working out. So it's gonna be one of those things that we kind of just figure out as we go. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's just a, a shift of priorities in life, right? And I've been getting that question a lot actually of how are you gonna, how are you gonna train? Like, I'll wait till the baby's here, you'll see how that changes. Yeah, yeah I fully expect and anticipate that to change, um, yeah. but. I'm going to just figure it out as, as we get closer and as it happens. Yeah. Because you really see like there is a time period where, yeah, like you said, you really can't plan for it. You really have to just adjust to it on the fly. I mean, because sometimes, you know, you might get a full, a full night's sleep and then you realize I can't go work out in the morning or you might not get any sleep and you're like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll do the, the baby stuff in the morning. Then I can push the training back, you know, to the, to the, um, just to the evening. And, once, you know, a few weeks in, a few months in, you really get a schedule, you know, the first few days, few weeks are different because it's, they're literally just born, you know, so you really kind of just got to go through it. But then after a little bit, you really get back into, in, into a routine, kind of like what you had before. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it makes it difficult just with the idea of, you know, you always want to be with them too. So you're, you're going to be the super dad of where you're, where you're running 10 miles and she's going to be just on one of those baby carrier things on your chest, or you're going to buy one of those strollers that's perfectly suitable to run on the pavement, to run on the pavement with them. You know what happened this past weekend, actually the marathon is there was a guy that ran the marathon with a stroller and his baby in the stroller. And he won the marathon. Really? He ran it. He ran it in like two hours and 30 minutes. No way. He ran the marathon pushing a stroller. 
that that has to be your new goal. See, I, I know you have, you don't have you don't have any races or events planned, but sometime in the future, you need to. Um, I, I I'm not telling you to do this, but it would be cool if you did something like that. Oh, I would I would love to. Like, I I want I want to do definitely a a marathon pushing pushing my daughter and and doing some races. But I saw someone post this on on social media a few weeks ago, and I thought it was pretty interesting. And they said one of the best things you can do is invest in a home gym. Yeah. And it's so that as your kids grow up, they see you, they watch you training and taking care of yourself. And it instills these, these habits and values of health and wellness and, and taking care of yourself and being able to show up then ready and fit for your family. And uh, that's kind of how I imagine like, I want my daughter to to see me and Steph training and working out, not obsessively or unhealthy, but like, yeah, I want her to say, yeah, I watched my parents grow up and, and work out. Like I remember watching my dad uh, growing up every morning as me and my brother were eating breakfast in the kitchen before going to school. He would help make us breakfast, and then as we were eating, he'd do a hundred push-ups in the kitchen oh, every awesome. single morning, and uh, and I watched that. And then I just started doing it. You know, for, for years, I would do 100 push-ups every single morning because I watched my dad do the same thing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, um, you know, kind of shifting gears a little bit. We talked about it um, a little bit earlier, but one of, one of the things that I really did love so much about our, about our trip to Austin was, you know, just some of the faith conversations that we got to have. And, um, you know, talking about you and Steph and, the, um, you know, the local church that y'all, that y'all joined there. And, you know, for you... You know, what is your background, you know, with faith? I know that moving to Austin, y'all got plugged in in, a, um, in an awesome church. But for you, um, you know, what, uh, what was instilled with you in faith? You know, what's kind of your faith journey been like? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, so we grew up in this, this small town called Palmyra, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's right outside of Hershey, Pennsylvania, like Central PA. Uh-huh. And we grew up going to church. I mean, my family was, was active in the church. Um, I learned a lot through my mom. So like I contribute a lot to the way I was raised and kind of who I am now to, to my mom. And my mom was one of these people who found her passion really early on in life. She was the definition of selfless and her passion was the special education system. So she Mm -hmm. taught, um, life skills. She taught special education. She was a supervisor of special education in the district she coached Special Olympics. Um, she got really involved in the church. And every year, this one thing she would do is she would go to the local schools and she'd find the families who couldn't afford Christmas presents. And those families would write down on, on notes what they needed for their, their families for Christmas, You know, whether it's diapers or this toy or this DVD. And then she'd bring it back to our church. And then our church... Uh, would would gather all these presents and we would deliver these these presents the night before Christmas to these families. Yeah. So I watched my mom growing up and she was you know, very very selfish and she was pursuing this passion she had in life. And then in 2019 she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and it progressed very rapidly. And within six months she passed away, and she passed away on hospice in our home. And we were able to go home while she was in hospice. And the day before she passed away, um, me and Steph were, were engaged at this point, and we were supposed to get married, 
a few months after that point, but obviously we knew my mom wasn't going to make it. So we did a small ceremony in the house so my mom could experience us not officially being married, but you know, a ceremony with our, our pastor that we grew up with. Yeah. And the one thing she said to us the day before she passed away was, if you ever want to see me again, you have to believe in God. Wow. And she looked us in the eye and she said that. And at this point in my life, it's no excuse, but I became very busy with work and building a business. And we weren't going to church on a regular basis, right? We weren't actively yeah. involved in, uh, in our community with the church that we found. And we came back from Pennsylvania after my mom passed away to Texas. And the first thing Steph and I did was we got, you know, involved with the church again. We found this church locally here called Celebration. And uh, that was a huge impact on our life again because Steph and I then reintroduced God and, 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 you know, the church and the community back into our lives. And that's actually where I found a lot of the people that work at BPN now. Like most of the people that I've surrounded myself with in in work life or, or personal life came from introductions in that church. And just having yeah. that foundation of, of faith back in our life, especially while you know starting a family and struggling to start a family and and being newly married and some of the struggles there, um, that that foundation of faith has been something that Steph and I have been able to really lean into with with struggles and setbacks or obstacles um, these past couple of years for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it really is so. I mean, it really is so important, man. And we look at, you know, even if you just look at the landscape of our of our culture of our world, you know, it's like it's just polar opposites. You know, there's fruits of the spirit, then there's acts of the sinful nature, and it's like, what, what, where does it look like we're going? You know, well, it looks like, you know, we're going, you know, down down the way that we shouldn't be going, and it's like. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I mean, if you look at all the statistics, all the things, I mean, people are, um, you know, not believing in God. People are, you know, idolizing all these other things. And it's like this country was built on, on, on the foundation of faith, you know, in God. And, you know, there, after, after this life, there really is, there is a heaven and there's a hell. And yes, it's, 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 um, you know, the foundation of, of all the things that we do is it, it's a belief in God. And out of that belief, there comes all these things that we do, right? You know, we're not, we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, but at the same time, there are, like, we do produce fruit from that belief, you know? Um, just like an apple tree produces apples, as believers, we produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all these things, and, you know, the Bible says that's what, that's what we're marked by, and that's, and that's what I love, you know, about, about y'all at BPN, and that's, that's what I was, I was wanting to ask you, because, you know, even though you're in the supplement, you're in the supplement industry, you're in the, you know, the, the, the physical training and all those different things, a lot of what y'all's business is built on foundationally is relationships. And I know that's something that you really value is just authentic relationships. You know, people that come and work for you, they're all good people. You know, you, everyone has integrity. Everyone, um, you know, encourages one another, lifts up one another, and they're all biblical, you know, principles. So for you, where does that value of relationships come from and why do you feel so called and so, um, why, why do you feel like it's so important for you to invest in, in, in the value of relationships? 
Well, I think it's almost like we, we talked about when you were here where, and you're, you're seeing it more and more and more. You realize that we live in a, a dark world and yeah. I don't even know if it's getting darker. I think maybe it's always been this dark, um, but I would the, argue it's, it's, it's getting darker. It's being, expo- it's being, at least being exposed more. Yeah, right. For um, sure, for sure. And as it gets darker, there has to be that source of light and yeah kind of what I've seen is there are these false sources of light that pop up and they seem like that they're, they're doing the right thing. They, they are trying to make a positive impact, but it's, it's, it's misguided light. Yeah, and for sure. I feel like this, there's this obligation. There's this responsibility where if you actually try to be the source of light and, and help people and guide people, cause the, the light guides people. Like if you think of, if you, open up a door and that door is the world and the lights are off and it is completely dark. And when you open that door, it lets light in. And what happens Mm -hmm. when that door is open and the light is in, it's that everyone that's in that dark room is going to stop what they're doing. They're going to look, they're going to point at that light and they're going to try to criticize or, or, or break down that light. And it's really easy to be distracted or misguided by Mm -hmm. criticism all trying to be the light but there's an obligation and responsibility like i said to to be this light and bring people along on that journey with you to do the right thing and when you do the right thing and and you try to be that guide with people around you who are making a positive impact it feels fulfilling it feels good and you can be proud of of what you are trying to pursue yep that i just just from you talking i just thought of this verse, and I want to go back to what you just said in a second. This is Romans 1, 21. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. And their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their, in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity and the degrading of their bodies with one another. So there's this idea, like you said, you know, it's, you know, it's light, you know. In the Bible, it talks about, you know, we love darkness. We hated the light. Genesis 1, let there be light. And there's this idea of, um, you know, as believers, we're called to be light. You know, all throughout the Gospels, it talks about, you know, don't put... Um, don't put a lamp under a basket, put it on the stand. And for you, you know, even, even for people, there's all these false gods, right? There's all these false expectations that we can idolize, right? Whether it be um, bodies physically, you know, we, you know, something can happen to one of us tomorrow and we don't, you know, whether it's a car accident or we get sick or whatever, like this is, this is, this is fleeting, right? And then if you look at, you know, accomplishments, you know, all these, all these great things, you know, that, that you've gotten to achieve. There's also people on the backside criticizing you for all these things, right? So if you, if you put all your, all your hope and all your, all, all your trust in, in these, in these accolades, you know, there's also people that are tearing you down and there has to be some foundation of something bigger than all these things, right? There has to be something that, you know, that, that is unchanging that, you know, there's, we're not going to build our house in the sand. We're going to build it on the rock because God's never changing. You know, people are always changing. People are going to disappoint us. And it's, um, you know, it's through the life of Jesus that we get to be confident and know that, you know, this 
is all going to pass away. That's that. That's the whole verse of what of what this um what this podcast is. It says, you know, for physical training has some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding present for for this life and the life to come. And that's kind of what we just talked about. You know, there is something to come. It's not, you know, after our time here on earth, we're not just evaporated. You know, there there is an afterlife. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And what we do on this earth is what's going to, you know, have repercussions for, you know, for what happens after that. And man, just to encourage you, I mean, I love what, I, I love what you're doing. I love what y'all are doing. Um, y'all are doing awesome things for people and y'all truly are a light in the darkness. And even just, you know, whether it not be, you know, spiritually things, but you're, you're a light in the darkness in the supplement industry. You know, when people see BPN, it's, it's wholesome. It's good. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a beacon of light to the industry that you're in. Yeah. There was a few months ago and, uh, we were sitting in church and our pastor's name's uh, pastor Joe champion. And he said something that really resonated with me. And he said, once you accept that you will consistently and constantly be disappointed here on earth by, by people and actions and things that are happening. Once you accept that and realize that you'll be disappointed here on earth, but once you get to heaven, you will realize there's no disappointment. And yeah, that, that was a, an eye opener. Just, it was so clear and easily said, but yeah. you look around at the world, it's, it's dark and you're, you're wondering, asking yourself, but why, like, uh-huh. why, why are people doing this? Why is this happening? Why are these tragic events, you know, occurring? And you realize that, well, it's, it's going to happen here on earth, but it's not going to happen in heaven. And, you know, when we were wrapping up this marathon this past uh, weekend, one of the things we talked about in the post, um, post-race post interview was that we don't necessarily do these things as a team, like these races, to accomplish a, a certain time. Like we do, we put, we put a, a goal and an objective on it, but... Mm-hmm. I don't hang my hat on like a 248 marathon. I don't save yeah. any medals. I don't save any ribbons. Those honestly, they get thrown away. Yeah. But what's the most impactful part of like going to a race like Buffalo, New York marathon is we had dozens, hundreds of people that signed up for that race because we committed to the journey four months ago and, and, and helped them and guided them to train and accomplish that. And people came up to us after the race and said, I've never run a half marathon or a full marathon in my life. I never thought I would, but following the BPN team and the go on, go on more mindset and mission, I've now done this thing that I always thought was impossible. So yeah. it's, it's the impact of guiding others and helping others. It's not hanging our hat on a time after a certain race. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, because like you said, like it's, it's fleeting, you know, the Bible talks about, um, you know, eternal crowns and, and, and crowns that we, you know, that we can have on earth. And I'm going to botch the scripture. I don't really remember where it is, but you know, we can either chase crowns for heaven or we, or, or we can chase perishable crowns. Like you said, that ultimately, you know, get thrown in the trash and it's, you know, uh, our life, is, our life is but a vapor and it's fleeting and it's, you know, there, there, there's just something, you know, bigger and like, kind of like what you what you just kind of hinted at a little bit there's this idea of when when bad things happen we, we're always the first to blame god but at the same time you know we have free will if 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 god wasn't ultimately loving he wouldn't give us free will but in our wickedness and in our sin we make terrible decisions 
the enemy is real. It says that he roars or he walks around like a like a prowling lion. So, looking for someone to devour. So we're caught up in this spiritual warfare between good and evil. And it's it's even interesting because every every movie we watch, every superhero movie, every you know just main movie, there's good and evil, right? Like there's there there's a there's a hero, there's a villain. So why do we think life on earth would be any different, right? There's good, and then clearly there's evil, and that's a mix of our free will. You know, we have the ability to choose good, or we have the ability to choose what's bad, and through our wickedness, through our sin, we end up choosing we end up choosing the bad, and then we then we blame God. But when in reality, He's just allowing it to happen. Obviously, He hates what's what 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 just happened in in um, in Texas and what happened in Buffalo and all these other places, but we have the free will to make these decisions and it's, we just live in a, in a, in a fallen world. And like you said, there's, there's going to be no more tears in heaven, no more disappointment, no more mourning. It'll, it'll be what this, what we were truly created to live and to experience. Well, we're so focused on the, the scene, you know, we're, yeah. we're jaded in a sense. I think it's second Corinthians is it's, do not focus on the scene, but focus on the unseen as the scene is temporary and the unseen is eternal. Yeah. And, you know, with, with the developing world, we are so focused on what is now, what is in front of us, these distractions, rather than this unseen eternal, which we should be focusing on. Yeah, and then Paul, even in second, in second Corinthians, you know, you just talked about second Corinthians. Here's what he says here in second Corinthians four seventeen. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. So it was, it was the verse right before, you, right before what you just said. You know, we will have momentary afflictions and we will have troubles. But Paul says that, um, you know, not, not, not to get so fixated on that because what's coming far outweighs all that sorrow, all that mourning, all that terrible because we will be in community with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in, in heaven. And man, just fixing our eyes on that and not on what is seen here, it's so, it's so key. Because like you said, people are going to disappoint you. Family is going to disappoint you. Your spouse is going to disappoint you. Your kids are going to disappoint you. But at the end of the day, we have something better to come. Yeah, I, uh, I have a podcast that I, I'm recording um, with someone next week. And I've been following a lot of stuff he's been talking on, about on social recently. And a lot of the problems we're experiencing, um, as we'll probably talk about in the episode with him, a lot of the, the problems we're experiencing in the world right now is because we are removing faith from the foundation of many things that it used to be grounded in the foundation of in, in the world as a whole. right? Like 100%. We are removing it or minimizing it and... It is the, the driving factor and force for more evil. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I definitely think that there are definitely legislative things that we can change, but if that, that, that's, that's also not the answer. You know, legislations and laws can't fix Western civilization. We need an absolute move of God to do something to fix all of our wickedness and brokenness. And, you know, putting certain things into place, I think it can definitely help, but that's not the end all be all. That's not, that's not the full answer, you know, like, yes, those things can be helpful. We definitely need 
change this to some things, but there's just evil people and they're going to do evil things and we need a holy God who's going to come in and, you know, have a move of the Spirit to, to, to change some of these things or else we truly are just going down the toilet. I mean, like you said, we've taken faith out of schools, we've taken it out of sports, we've taken it out of almost everything and, you know, the Bible's clear when that happens, bad things happen, you know? I mean, the land, I mean, it's just... That's never a good thing when, when, you take, when you take God, which was the foundation of our country, out of things like that. Have you found that as you act as this, this source of light in, uh, in this world of darkness, that that light attracts a lot of criticism and hate and evil towards you and your family? Well, here's the way I look at it, dude. If, because the enemy is real, if... If I'm not a threat to the enemy, then I don't, I don't see him attacking me, you know? But if, if, if I feel like I'm, I'm doing the things that I feel like the Lord's called me to do, I'm being light, I'm, I'm, I'm doing these things for the kingdom, and I feel this opposition, then I, I, it, it's almost like an encouragement because it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're in a battle. We're, we're in a spiritual warfare. You know, it says we don't wrestle against flesh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, um, you know, the spiritual powers and authority. So there's this idea of like, if I feel like I'm being attacked, if I feel like there's criticism in a, in, 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 in a certain way, then I view it as, you know, either the Lord testing me through something or the enemy trying to, trying to, trying to do something to me. And I feel like if I didn't face any opposition, then the devil would just be like, he's not a threat. So it's almost a weird thing of like, I mean, sometimes I'm just like, you know, I hate going through these things, but at the same time, I'm, I'm being a light. You know, darkness is going to try to overcome the light, but the light, the, Jesus has already won. The devil's already been defeated. He just has a temporary fixed time of when he can still do, do things and has authority on earth. But at the end of the day, the battle's already been won. So, I mean, yeah, I do. But at the same time, I also just think about it from the standpoint of like, if I'm doing good things for the kingdom, if, and it's not, a, it's not about me, that's, that's not what I'm trying to make it sound like, but if, if I'm obeying the Lord and if I'm trying to be a bright light and there is opposition, then I feel like that's who the enemy's targeting. I don't think the enemy's targeting after people that are, you know, inefficient and aren't living out their thing, honestly. I don't know if, 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 if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's choosing the, the hard right over the easy wrong. And there will yeah. always be opposition along that way, along that journey. The, 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 ro- the road is narrow and, you know, not many enter into it. So there, 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 there's two paths, you know. There's a narrow gate and there's a wide gate. And the scripture says that not many pass through the narrow gate. So, you know, there is going to be opposition and there is going to be... Um, you know, things that come at us, but at the same time, we serve a God who's already, who's already won, and we just have to just keep, keep pressing forward, believing that, and it's not an easy thing, you know, there's plenty of doubts, and something that always helps me, it's John six sixty eight. I think, it's when Peter's talking to Jesus, and he says, um, to, or, uh, where else will we go for you have the words of eternal life, and I think about that all the time, it's like, if I ever doubt, if I ever struggle with this, it's like, I don't know where else I would go. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We have found the answer. So it's like, even in my struggles, even in my doubts, 
where would I go? I'm not going to turn to some, to some other religion or some other God, or I'm not going to just completely eradicate that and just believe that we all somehow just got here by chance from an explosion and everything happened to form perfectly for us to be alive. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go fall into that, but it, it's, it's, it's just the idea of like, where else would I go? Jesus has the words of eternal life. And for me, that's just, that's been such a foundational like backbone of like my faith of like, if I'm struggling, I'm going through these difficult things, but where else would I go? I'm just going to lean in, I'm just going to lean into it and trust that this is a part of, this is a part of the plan. I do like the way that it's said, like that, that's always been the way I like to look at it is it, it's lean into it. Like as, yeah. as things get harder, as obstacles keep arising, lean into your foundation, lean into your faith. And as you keep leaning into it, you will find the answers that, that you need. I mean, that's, for me, that's a big reason for, for moments of solitude. Um, yeah. Solitude in, in whether that's a morning run for me or just time alone and eliminating distractions. That solitude yeah. for me is my ability and, and there, you know, there's purpose behind it of being able to lean into that foundation to answer questions or find answers to questions that I've been struggling with. Yeah. For sure, yeah, yeah, and I love how you mentioned that. Even when we were there, you know, all these business ideas and spiritual things come because you don't listen to music when you run. You just are alone in your thoughts, which for some people that might that might be a nightmare. Um, but for you, I know that helps you to have clarity, and that helps you um, just to have all these amazing thoughts. So, and more power to you for that one because I uh, I would struggle if I was running for hours on end uh, with just my own thoughts in my head. I mean, I think that's, for me, that's one of the most important things that people can implement in their life right now is we live in such a distracted world. I mean, we have notifications going off all the time. We are addicted to our phones. We're, we're texting people. We're checking social media. The news is on. I mean, it's nonstop. We're, we're yeah. literally nonstop distracted all the time. I'm a fan of this book. It's called Deep Work by Cal uh -huh. Newport. And it's all about eliminating distractions and, and using and utilizing solitude to go deeper rather than these surface level thoughts, right? Like a lot of people live on the surface level, but going deep is, is actually pretty difficult. It has to be intentional. And awesome. that's what I use like these moments of solitude for is to actually reach depths in our thoughts rather than living in, in the shallow. Yeah, man, I need to read that book. What's it called again? It's called Deep Work by Cal Newport. It's, a, it's an amazing book. Um, and you can apply it to, to anything, right, in life. You can apply Sweet. it to faith, business, um, family. But we are constantly distracted. And it gives like, some clear examples a lot of times for, for like authors. Authors of novels or books are, are clear examples of creatives who have to reach levels of depth rather than living in, in shallow. Um, I did a yeah. podcast a few weeks ago with our brand director, Alex Rodriguez, uh, A-Rod, and he was, he was taught by a mentor years ago who told him, stop focusing on digging puddles in your life, but dig a well. And if you dig yeah. a well right now, and a well, a well digs down into a foundation, and it is forever flowing, but these these puddles, they soak up, they dry up very quickly. And a lot of us are, are trying to dig and establish all these puddles in our life. But if you, yeah. if you hone in and focus on 
digging your well, that will, will feed you and nourish you for a long time to come. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's John 4, um, you know, with, with Jesus and the Samaritan woman about, you know, the living water versus water from the well. Um, you know, it says that we will thirst again, but, you know, Jesus offered this woman living water and, you know, it's from the well that, that, that will never run dry because we will get thirsty again, like, like, like the scripture says, but this is water that, that will, um, you know, satisfy our soul. That, that earthly temporal water can't, can't do what, what the living water can do. Um, well, man, you know, typically how we end these podcasts is uh, a physical and a spiritual challenge. Um, so I'm interested uh, as for what two challenges you have um, brought forth today. Yeah, I think they both are directly related to what I just previously talked about, both spiritual and physical. Um, it's finding moments of solitude in your life. And, and sometimes you have to create these moments of solitude. Mm-hmm. That could be waking up 30 minutes before you were supposed to work up, uh, wake up and you know, make your cup of coffee, go sit on a porch and just think. Don't carry your mm-hmm. phone with you. Don't carry your computer with you. Just allow some moments of solitude. And for me, it's my morning run, for example. And you can use this for your fitness as well. It's, it's fine moments that you can actually work on yourself. And a lot of times what I found is you don't have to actively go into these moments of solitude trying to discover answers to your, to your problems. Sometimes you'll just go into these moments of solitude. For me, it might, it might be a morning run. It might be sitting on my front porch for a little bit. It might be going for a walk or a hike. Mm-hmm. Don't carry your phone. Don't have anything that's going to distract you. And more times than none, these problems are going to find you. They're going, they're going to creep up onto you. And in that moment of solitude, you have an opportunity to lean into your foundation, lean into your faith, and find and establish solutions for these problems. But you can't do that while you're distracted. You need yeah. to be living in these moments of solitude. So applying that to both spiritual and physical of whether you're going for a run or you're working out. Yeah. Don't take that, that source of music. Don't take that distraction. Allow yourself to actually soak in that experience and gain something from that other than what you think is just a, you know, a sweaty run or a, a pump in the yeah. gym. There can be yeah. a lot more taken away. I love that. Sweet. I'm, 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 I'm pumped about that because I really uh, can't work out without music. So that'll be, that'll be, that'll be a good one for me, to, for me to try. Well, Nick, man, always encouraged uh, talking to you, always inspired. Um, love what you're doing. I know that people are going to be just impacted by your words, by your discipline, by your heart. Um, excited to see you become a dad and uh, just to see you take on that, that new challenge. You've tackled a lot of challenges through you know, the military, through um, Ironmans and marathons and all these other things. But seeing you become a dad is going to be really special and really cool. So grateful for our friendship. I love you. And uh, thank you for joining me today, man. Thank you, Christian. <laughs>